Welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Kern. I'm with my wife, Carrie, and we're going to begin with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Loving God, we thank you and praise you for the ways that you take care of us and love us. And Lord, we ask that you would help us to recognize the signs of the times, things that are happening right now in the world, in our country. Help us, Lord, to find a way forward. Help us to discern and, and take action based on what's happening in the world right now. Lord, bless our program, anoint, carry, and me. Help us to be useful, fruitful instruments for your kingdom. And we make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So, Carrie, um, well, first of all, welcome. Thank you. Uh, we've got a lot to talk about. Oh, I, yes. I, I, I want to hear about Mother's so Day. So much. I, know you, you were, I think you had an awesome Mother's Day. So we're gonna, we are going to eventually get to that. But before we do, I want to talk about the new addition to our family. And in doing so, I, I have several stories to tell. And each of these stories is going to connect to recent conversations I've had that I believe are relevant to living life right now. When I say right now, what I mean is not anything, let me say, that is very specific that's happening in our lives or in the church, but what's happening in the world, in, in America right now. I'm talking about inflation, shortages, challenges in terms of making ends meet, prices are going up, and the kinds of things that uh, people can do uh, to to make it through today. So uh, I want to start with the first story. And it's this new addition in the house. So what's the newest thing that has entered our home in the last 24 hours? A pool table. A pool table. Have we ever had a pool table? I did not know a pool table had so many complications. Yeah. Did you did you grow up with a pool table? No, oh, I did we not. did in our home, in our basement. Oh. Yeah, we had... In the in what eventually became my bedroom and my brother George's bedroom, we shared it in college. It used to be the place where we had a pool table and a ping pong table. That is so surprising because I whipped you in that game we played. What? And You're making I that up. Didn't even. T- <laughs> I have You're not played you yet. Me. Did you play? <laughs> but I am going to whip you. Okay, we'll find out. We'll find out. Well, uh, and. I had first cousins that lived just, you know, a little short path through my backyard to their yard. And they also had in their basement, they had a ping pong table and they had a bumper pool table. Do you know what bumper pool is? I can't remember. It's a, it's a type of pool table that has these bumpers like in the middle and you have to kind of shoot the oh. balls around. You're playing against your opponent, different color balls. It's actually a really interesting kind of pool table. Anyways, um, so we did not plan on a pool table, but... A pool table was planned for us. Okay, so full disclosure, what happened was I helped a family move here. And the home that they ended up buying, I represented them as their agent, real estate agent. And they were really, really happy with the way things turned out. Well, the owners of the of the house were leaving behind certain items. One of the items they left behind was this like beautiful pool table. It wasn't an ordinary pool table. It was... It was like quality. Um, but uh, he, the person who bought the table, was was very grateful for how I had served him. And he said, I want to give you the gift of a pool table for your family. And what was really neat was his emphasis was on 
making memories, that the pool table was going to simply be a means of making memories, especially memories with your kids. I just thought that was really neat because he talked about growing up at the pool table and that's what it did for him. He had, I think, 10 kids in his family. And he just said he had so many like wonderful memories of playing pool with his siblings. That is so interesting. I think we had a trampoline where we made a lot of memories. Now, I was not jumping in the trampoline, so this was really not something you and I did, but I just know that that particular equipment, piece of equipment, caused for a lot of bonding time. A lot of broken bones? Broken. Is that right? Not one yeah. visit to the ER. Not what? one. Not one broken bone That's or crazy. bruised or sprain. Well, maybe a bruise, but not a sprain either. Yeah, now we had they, great now luck. They make, now they make the springless trampolines that actually sink in so that they're at ground level (laughs) there you go talk about a different world but first of all i disagree with you that's completely wrong okay so a pool table has so much more potential than a trampoline but that's for another day oh no let's go into that right now i would like to (laughs) i'm not saying that carrie you can use a pool table year round 24 hours a day okay all right Uh, done bam an indoor trampoline you can use year round and you can lock your kids in it so they are like stuck for three hours with each other actually we had a trampoline in our house we can feed them snacks just throw a bag of goldfish over the top of the net well that was that was with netting it's an excellent babysitter okay uh so i'm gonna i'm gonna jump into using the trampoline analogy i'm gonna jump into this book the collapse of parenting that Father Nagel mentioned last week on Sound Insight. It's how we hurt our kids when we treat them like grown-ups and the three things you must do to help your child or teen become a fulfilled adult. I, I, whenever I hear things like the three things to do, mm-hmm. okay, do you know what one of the, oh, can you think of, like, this is going to be an on-the-spot question. Oh, no. What are things to do to help your child or teen become a fulfilled adult? One of them is enjoy your child. Do things with your child that give you, you and your child, a chance to enjoy the moment and enjoy each other in the moment. Not a powerful insight. Yes, I think that you would do that naturally, but then I'm thinking there's some kids that I don't really hang out with, so maybe not. Does it count if you're cooking dinner and making dinner together and then... Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, again, that's a shared activity that if you both enjoy it, if you have someone who enjoys making food, like it's an artistic kind of thing, they're a chef, then you can certainly enjoy each other while you're enjoying doing the action. And then you enjoy the result of it. What do you think of when you read that? I, I I read that and I thought of the pool, the pool game I already played. I've only played one game on the pool table and it was with my daughter, Annalise. And what's so interesting is this is that I do so many things for her that she gets to enjoy. Driving her to practices for different sports, to games for different sports, to friends' houses for different things. But what am I not doing? I'm not doing them with her. Oh, that's a great distinction. Yeah. So she gets to enjoy things, but not with me. And uh, there isn't that just the two of us. right? Even when we're playing basketball, it's a competitive situation where... Yeah, we kind of are enjoying it, but there's an edge to it. So out when we were playing pool in the other room uh, with just the two of us, it was we were smiling, just smiling at the the game and like laughing and joking at each other's shots. 
And uh, it was fun. And I'm like, yeah. I think it reminds me of something that you had said, how we were just talking about, like, okay, how are we fulfilling God's call as, as parents, as moms and as dads? And I think one of the things that we had come to, and I think you had more insight in it than I definitely, did. Definitely, definitely. Definitely true, that you had more insight than I did. <laughs> I don't even know what you're talking about, but that's okay. <laughs> was the idea that we want so many good things for our kids that when we see them falling short, when we see them um, focusing on themselves, being self-centered or, or lazy or not stepping in to do their jobs, we become critical. And it becomes one of those things where we we don't say much to them except to intervene to identify where they're falling short. So the principal form of discourse is negative or critical. And it doesn't make anybody feel good. But it, it's sometimes just out of a sense of frustration that, look, you're better than this, or you ought to be better than this, or you know what, no kid of mine is going to end up like this. And all of that is, is a negative vibe. And so the collapse of parenting, you want your kid to be fulfilled, do things to enjoy your child, right? And do things that you're, uh, uh, that gives your child a chance to enjoy you too. Do you remember that, that conversation? That- yes, I think it was when we were talking about writing letters to our kids and how you can get into a spirit, a space of affirmation, celebration, and you can put that on paper and they have it to look at for years and years to come. So it was a nice way to take time to affirm them in a very specific way. Because you're right, when we just get to the day-to-day activities... I fall into, who did, who needs to do this? Who didn't do that? Could you please pick that up? Why didn't you finish this? I told you. I told him. I told her. <laughs> All that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so that book, The Collapse of Parenting, mentioning these three things to help them be fulfilled, enjoy your kids and do things that you, you can enjoy with your kids. It, it was a powerful reminder. So for me, the, the, the faith-filled, discerned conclusion is everybody needs a pool table. <laughs> that is not the conclusion um, but i'm i'm excited to see that whether this you know in fact it, it works itself out that way so two other parts to this story of the pool table the first is um the the pool table was heavy no it wasn't heavy it was like incredibly overwhelmingly heavy and unmovable by me so what do i need to do look up Pool movers. So pool table movers. Did you know this was a business? I did not know this. Well, lo and behold, I started off with the carry nugget of wisdom. If I'm trying to figure something out, what do I do? Google it, YouTube it. Yeah. So I watched a couple of YouTube videos and I'm like, this is way beyond me. Though the guys doing it were happy-go-lucky and like made it look really easy. But Tom, they had like five bags of tools they brought with them <laughs> at least to get it done oh my god that could was not... showmanship or was that real i i yeah. don't know i didn't see all the show i didn't see all their workings i just know that they were here for two and a half hours okay putting it together so there so there were only two billiard table moving companies in the spokane area so i called them up a week ago saying can you help with the moving of the tables and they're like we are completely slammed booked we, you know, I'll see if I can fit you in in a couple of weeks. Well, I got this guy to commit to, um, let's see, what's today? Thursday. So it was, uh, he was supposed to come on, on Tuesday. And then it was, he'll come on Wednesday. And then it was 
I'll come on Thursday. And here's the thing. I was powerless. I was powerless because he had, he had all the cards in his hands, you know, saying, you know, please, will you come? <laughs> it, was, it was a really interesting thing to feel so vulnerable with regards to a service that I needed done. I needed to perform, namely, to get the table out of the home where my clients that had bought the home, they'd moved in and they like, we need the table gone. And my only response was, I'm doing what I can. These folks committed. There's nothing I can do to move the table. And so there was this sense of powerlessness and being in their hands. That, that quality, it was not easy. And so I was over there when they arrived, being friendly to them, but also wanting to make sure that they were going to get the job done and do it well. And they weren't going to raise the price. They weren't going to change the terms of the agreement, which they tried to do. Very interesting. Oh, you caught them. Nothing gets by you, Tom. Let me tell you. No. <laughs> I think they would just call it upselling. So, oh, this felt is terrible. It needs to be changed. And oh, the bumpers, this is terrible. Look at that. That needs to be re redone. And I'm like, okay, look. So I ended up getting new felt, which costs some money. But these guys, and then I, I kind of led them back to the house here. And then they started the setup. And then you kind of watched them finish it off. And it was every step of the way, there was this sense of, if they don't do a good job, there's nothing I can do about it. I can't tell if they're doing a great job or an okay job, if they're just kind of getting her done, or they really have a sense of pride in their craft and they're going to do an excellent job because they really want to satisfy these customers when they know they have a huge backlog of other folks just waiting for them to be served next. So it's just such an interesting thing to, to be in that kind of situation. He said he has four, he has four pool tables at his house that his kids play on. Really? One outside. Yes, I'm thinking, how big is your house? Because <laughs> each of those pool tables needs its own room. I mean, yeah. we had to move five, six pieces of furniture and get rid of stuff, and it barely fit in the space because you actually need more room than you think. That's why a trampoline is a better option. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Good, good answer, <laughs> good answer. Well, in the end, you know, it... it wasn't an extraordinary large table, but it took up a large space. And now all of a sudden, it was it, it introduced a new enthusiasm into our kids' lives. And I, I just want to put that out there, folks, that there are going to be situations in your life where you're going to be brought to a sense of vulnerability. You're going to be vulnerable, unable to cause the result that you want. And so it brings up the fundamental aspect of trust. I trust you that you're gonna do a good job. When we come back on Sound Insight, we're gonna continue on that theme and more. Welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Karn. I'm with my wife, Carrie, on this Faith and Family Friday edition of the program. It's also the Feast of Our Lady of Fatima. Pray a family rosary. Don't forget to do that. Very important gift in this month of May dedicated to our Blessed Mother. So Carrie, welcome back. I'm happy to be here, Dad. You are happy Tom. to be here. So we were just talking about the pool table, and this I was leading with the sense of not only enjoyment, but also a sense of vulnerability. And I think, folks, I think I'm addressing a lot of people today who you can feel vulnerable about what's actually happening in your life, whether it's, am I going to make enough money to pay the bills? Um, what's happening with the economy? Or 
I know how many people are trying to get houses built and they're so like powerless to get someone to step up and say, I'm going to deliver this appliance or I'm going to provide this specialty trade, you know, plumbing, electrical, whatever. And, and they're powerless to make something happen because the supply is so low. Um, I want to bring up one other story. Uh, and, and, and so what's my point? My point is it brings up the need to trust and being trusting relationships with each other and keeping your word. Trust, trusting relationship, and keeping your word. And you know who the ground is that? The ground of that is the Lord. Um, for the Lord, Do you know the, um, the word for truth in Hebrew, emeth, is also the, the word for faithfulness. And so the idea of speak the truth, it's also live the truth, be faithful, be true to your word. When you pledge a, a statement, you're saying be true to yourself. Talk about important thing in parenting, huh? Um, well, the other thing that came up in relationship to this, uh, to this pool table was the whole question about whether or not we should get it. And this is where demonic attack happened. <laughs> I'm sorry, why spiritual it, warfare. Why is it whenever we have like a strong disagreement, you just say it's demons? This is, there's a pattern it wasn't only that. There was another little spin on it. It okay. was when something was coming out of you. <laughs> Wait, that's even worse. I know. <laughs> I'm getting the bad end of the bad end. I know it was Mother's Day, and you feel like you have some grace. Hold on, hold on. However. <laughs> so what happens? It was two days ago when we're trying to discern, make the final decision. Is the pool table going to come here? Because honestly, I was excited you know, to get a high-quality pool table in a space that we aren't really using. It's going to make those memories, blah, blah, blah. And and then there was this sense of the Wicked Witch of the West showed up. Wait, that's like three strikes. Oh, sorry, sorry. All right. I, I'll, well, I'll go back to the demonic then. Wait. Do you want to be a Wicked Witch or do you want to be a demon? So whatever it was. What are you talking about? All I know that happened was this, is that I was in a meeting and I got a call from Mary Grace. And she was home doing some work with me. And she was like, okay, um, Mom is not settled uh, with this whole pool table thing. And um, and it was like, can you talk to her about this? And, um, and, and the interesting thing was just a couple of hours earlier, and that's my gentle way of saying you were really upset and trying to navigate, like, is this a good thing for our family? You didn't want to get stuck with the big heavy pool table that was unmovable. Okay. Just to be fair, it costs $700 to move it, and we're hoping to buy a house in the next few months. It's going to cost another $700 to move it again, and he said he could buy it for how He could sell it for 2200 Yeah. I almost feel like <laughs> buy a new food type. I don't know. So I, uh, you know me, costs way into my decisions, and I thought, are my kids really going to use this pool table? Do they want to help pay for it? Because I'm happy to let them pitch in some money since they all – told me they needed to have this table. I was like, really? Well, the ping pong table's been sitting there for a year and no one's played on it. So I'm the mother. I know how things get worn. This used. is your nest. This is your nest. No, I didn't mind the space. I like that they want to be in the basement and use it. But I was like looking at the bang for the buck. Is that how you say that? Well, I think I just, there was also a sense of, um, uh, is this just giving good uh giving a fun thing to kids if they aren't stepping up and pulling their weight 
I think they needed to work for some of that moving cost. And, okay, do I just want to give you my whole list? The The thing that triggered me is we went downstairs and there's four bookshelves we had to move, a couch, a ping pong. We had all this furniture to move. And thank the Lord, Mary Grace and Mary Catherine were home because they're both really good at getting stuff done. But I think in the midst of it all, I felt overwhelmed by, I think we need to like get rid of stuff. <laughs> so I don't know about you, but when I see a lot of things in my view, I get stressed. So if a messy kitchen, a messy living room, a messy closet, it I can't think straight and I get jumbled and my brain like starts to short circuit. <laughs> and you're probably right. There was a level of um, evil influence because I did feel out of sorts and I felt out of control and I didn't feel like I had any option and it felt everything felt magnified times five and my emotions are usually pretty in check but I did feel like it was times five and I didn't know where it was coming from I thought it was like maybe just menopause everything now is I'm gonna blame menopause before it was oh I have nine kids and I have babies and I'm pregnant now I'm just gonna say oh it's menopause um, but it was odd and out of the ordinary. So for sure, it could have been a little bit of spiritual influence. However, you did leave me with a huge room to like move. <laughs> well, and the funny thing was, was the kids had said, oh, we will help. We will take care of the room. Eh, wrong answer. That's, know, let me tell you about the, I let's know. talk about the dog and how often they walk the dog to pick up so the dog poop. So insight, we're talking about. Brush the dog, <laughs> feed the dog, clean the dog. That's like my other other part of me where I, you know, you can't just say you're going to do it. You have to actually show you're going to do it. So does anybody want a lab? Her name's Alaska. She's two years old. I'm so happy to get rid of her at any day, any moment. Carrie, you know you're scandalizing some of the listeners here. They are like... People know there's people that aren't dog people. It's not a th it's nothing against them. It's okay. just not everyone loves the dog like it's their <laughs> pet. I have nine pets. I don't need a... And the pet. My kids are really not pets, but you know what I mean. I'm, I am. <sighs> okay. Why do you see? I don't even think it's demonic. I think it's just me. This is menopause. Well, it wasn't just that. No, no, no. So here's the thing. No, it was. Ah! Well, here's the thing. When, when you think about a spiritual attack, there's a weirdness to it, right? It just seems like there's an out of sorts, even to the, like the quality of the quarrel, the yes. quality of the, like whether the intensity, the sharpness, the duration. It's the, feeling the suffocated. It's, it, there's it's a oppressive. I felt very suffocated in those moments. And, and literally an hour later, I said to my daughter, I don't feel the same stress anymore. I don't know what happened. That was really weird. <laughs> well, what happened was I found out about it and I prayed. Oh, so, you did? Well, no, and, and, and now listen though, there is a, uh, so one of our other daughters contacted me and she had a really bad, she was having a really bad day. And it was, it was, what's going on here? And, and then a couple of my other daughters that were here in the house were also a bit out of sorts. And at that point I started to say, okay, wait a minute. There seems to be something more going on here than the typical someone's having a bad day. And so I just sensed at that point, okay, there's a spiritual attack here. The The devil wants to get in, hates... Pool tables. <laughs> used the pool table as an entry point to stir up, right? That's what the devil does. So if you want to pay attention to, folks, if you're listening, how do spiritual attacks occur? 
They occur when the devil will use a vulnerable spot that's in your life, in your spouse's life, in your kids' lives, and go through that vulnerable open door and stir the pot, rob you of peace, trip you up, uh, introduce a stumbling block into the relationship. And it leads to an inability to dialogue, an inability to come to a sense of peace, an inability to get outside of one's own like a sense of being in, in a feeling state, right? That sense of being oppressed. And when, when you notice something like that happening, dear listener, in yourself or in those you love, call upon the blood of Christ. Call upon the precious blood of Jesus to fall upon you and all of these situations, Take authority in the name of Jesus to bind up and cast away any demonic influence. In fact, like even this sense of teasing, like earlier in the program, I was teasing you when I called you the wicked witch and demonically infested. <laughs> demonically. <laughs> Did I say infested? Well, whatever like, I said, it was terrible. It sounds like I have a, yeah, I know. Like was, an ant infestation or something. It was terrible. <laughs> so... And, and oh. it's one of your best gifts. If I say it, so I'm going to come back to this collapse of parenting. I should just talk about the collapse of a marriage and say, what? mean, we're say, not, our marriage is fine. It's fine, right? We're okay. Everything's good. Yeah. But I think that one of the things that leads to <laughs> for the time, a mean, harsh relationship. No, what, what leads to a, a um, like a, a stronghold, a demonic stronghold yes. in marriages is harsh speech to each other. You were um, you played something for me. It was a it was a quote that um, Doctor Schutz learned in, um, in in school, and it was that um, after fifteen minutes of a couple arguing, if if an argument lasts more than fifteen minutes, it's not about the content of the argument. It's about the relationship. And when I heard that quote, I first of all said, "Wow, that there's definitely an insight there." But I also thought that that also can be a sign of a, a demonic influence, a spiritual warfare aspect of things where the devil knows our weak spots and can lead us in, to harden our positions towards each other. And, and that's, a, that's a hard thing. That's a, that can be a real thing in relationships. And so I do want to encourage you, dear listeners, to be praying for the protection of the precious blood of Jesus over your kids, over your marriage, over your own life, and that you truly take authority in those relationships where the Lord has established it. So parents in the lives of your kids, take authority in the name of Jesus and bind up and cast away demonic influences. And I, I really mean that. And I think that you'll find that over time, if you are relentless in your prayers of protection and prayers of deliverance and prayers of healing for your kids that or in your marriage for your spouse, that the Lord will loosen things up. The Lord will begin to set free in surprising ways. I agree, Tom. And just to reference that, they have, so Dr. Bob Schutz and Jake K. 
Kim are to, I don't know if Jake Kim's a clinical psychologist. I don't know how you differentiate that, but they're psychologists that have this podcast called Restore the Glory. It's Catholic. And um, it's all about healing and it's childhood wounds, it's marital wounds, it's sexual wounds in the marriage. It's being healed, um, marriage wounds, how we hurt each other and how we need healing. Um, and they do like different segments that last three weeks long, or they'll do three segments on merit, marital healing or something like that. So you can go and look up a topic or an area where you're interested in getting a little bit more insight into your own life. And they're pretty good. I, I don't think I've, I've found the ones I've listened to to be good. Um, somewhat repetitive, but that's not a bad thing. And it does offer insight, especially if there's a lot of healing that needs to happen in the marriage. And it, often it's, where do you turn? Who do you talk to? That isn't just going to be a, a listener, but somebody who can give insight and help give guidance and hope to a situation. So it's really, I just encourage people to look that up if they're looking for that kind of space to grow. Well, it's interesting because I find myself in those kind of conversations regularly with uh, families who are discerning how do we move forward right now uh, in this, again, challenging church environment and recently with a, a priest trying to discern, like, how, how do I navigate with my parish through a challenge and what increasingly church leaders are realizing is that the ch the church and the world that they were ordained in and for have fundamentally shifted so priests that were ordained in the 80s and are we 90s, going like way far left no, not onto all. another <laughs> no, i, I want to bring this up that okay um that uh that the world has shifted so much that they were ordained in a time when the church had a seat at the table, there was, it was a respected institution, and there was a sense of influence. Well, things have shifted 20, in the last 25 years so far that we're in a, you, there's no longer an opportunity to straddle the issue. If the Lord is God, serve Him. If the world and the mainstream media's presentation of what the world is, follow it. You cannot do both. And what's happened is bishops and priests that have embraced a way of living in the world that is connected to the 80s and 90s, which was the church has a seat at the table and let's be kind and love each other and let's just stay in dialogue with the world. You have lost. You have lost and the empty and increasingly empty churches are proof of it. It's not enough. If, if you want your church to maintain numbers or potentially grow, you have to stand up, speak out, and push back. Just with the teaching of the church, but it's increasingly prophetic, not received, not accepted by the mainstream media and by the world, by even jobs, you know, uh, and all of that. But that's the world we're living in now, and that's a fundamental way of understanding the present moment, that we have to stand up, speak out, and push back, or we're just going to continue to lose, lose ground and lose more people to the practice of the faith. Back in a minute. Welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Kern, and on this Faith and Family Friday, we're referencing a book called The Collapse of Parenting. What a happy topic. 
on the Feast of Our Lady of Fatima, bringing a challenging message to the world. Well, I just talked about the challenging moment and this challenging moment uh, that we're living in where you can no longer straddle the issue. You have to, to be faithful means upping your game to a level of no half measures or your kids will succumb to addictive, broken, dark, toxic, anti-God behaviors. How does that feel? It's extreme. You yes. sound like a fanatic. It's okay, honey. But it's true. Uh, other than There's the fact truth that it's in true, that. There is truth in deep, that. Deep, deep truth. So in this book, The Collapse of Parenting, he talks about three things that will help your child to experience, a to become a fulfilled adult. The second one was that, that idea of enjoy. Do you know what the first one was? No, you don't know. Uh, no, I don't know. It was teach humility. Isn't that interesting? That is teach. actually very good to hear. But I want to hear about that. That sounds, I as you say it, I'm thinking how that would be so helpful to today's kids, even referencing my own kids. Why? I don't know. Why don't you tell me what the book says? <laughs> okay, and I'll so, tell you if I agree. So you it, uh, so first of all, he's not a theologian, and so he's not using like the biblical, uh, traditional Christian understanding of humility as truth, knowing the truth about who you are in the light of the truth about who God is, right? That's, that's humility. And there's a lot in that definition. Um, he talks about humility as thinking about others more than you're thinking about yourself. Oh, it's so different than what I was thinking humility would mean. Yeah. Well, and the reason he does that is because of the way that even in 2017, when he's writing this book, the way that society does what to kids if they're, if they're involved in a sports team. Everyone gets a trophy. Everyone gets a certificate. Everyone gets a seat at the table. Everyone's a winner. Everyone, What's wrong with that? Everyone that. is a gift. Everyone's <laughs> special. Everyone's unique. Everyone has this like champion quality, so everyone gets a star and a medal. And in doing that, he is saying that does no service to a child. That does no service to a child if everyone is a winner. And instead, it's no. Sometimes the spotlight is just not going to shine on you. Sometimes the spotlight shines on someone else, and you need to learn how to celebrate, honor, not be threatened by, feel good about, not simply envy or be jealous of, but be able to acknowledge the accomplishment, the achievement, the victory that someone else has achieved. That is so good to hear because I know in our family meetings, sometimes we will give out an award and then I just extend the award to five other categories so that everybody gets some kind of acknowledgement. So basically, I'm, I failed as a parent. I'll have to go back and do singular awards. Um, I yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm feeling a little defensive. I feel like we do a pretty good job of that. I think <laughs> one of the antidotes to that, when you talk about teach humility, is have a lot of kids. In a big family, it's easier to be humbled. It's easier to learn the reality that you're not you're not only the center of attention. There's a lot of others that are going to include a place where they are in the center. I can see how a child would be not esteemed at some kind of 
uh, event or in a classroom and the child comes home and says to the mom or dad or both, so-and-so got picked and -and so-and-so got picked and my feelings got hurt and they left me out and this isn't fair and I was reprimanded or I then had about, you know, it goes on and on to the point where as a parent, I would want to defend my child or help them feel okay or massage the wound or say it's, you know, that's that other child probably really didn't do as well as you think and you'll get it next time. I don't know. There's just all sorts of ways in which we want to protect our child and not have them feel the pain or suffer through being humbled. And it's actually a really convicting way for me to look at how I parent in these some of these situations because let's talk about those godly principles that we hear our kids mention that they learn regarding give other the honor, give others the honor and be able to celebrate them. And some of the things we heard at the sports banquet the other night, how, well, I can't quite remember heard what we key. heard. No, it, it, in fact, <laughs> it was really here's good. The thing. I'd never heard it before, never read it before, never came up with the idea before. And the fellow who said it, his name is Devin O'Donnell, um, I've had him on, we've had him on a couple of times through a shared podcast uh, where you and I were on with him and his wife, Allison. And I asked him, he was sitting at our table afterwards when he had finished giving his like talk, his reflection. I said, have you given that talk before? He said, no, I wrote it up this afternoon. I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? That was the best talk I've ever heard on, on, uh, on athletics and understanding athletics. He was a little shocked by it. So I asked for a copy of it so I could say stuff and make pretend I had made it up. <laughs> so now he, in referencing that, okay. What he what said was, was the, the insight in- was that competition and a Christian spirit can go together through the concept of self-mastery. And it wasn't just the self-mastery that's involved as in the form of disciplining your body, practicing skill and growing and competing hard against someone else in order to uh, uh, overcome the opponent and achieve a victory. But he said that needs to be combined with the self-mastery that is of the soul, not of the body, but of the soul, which says that I'm going to master within me a sense of um, negative attitude towards the opponent. The opponent is not the enemy. A sense of pride in one's own accomplishment, but rather a sense of humbly putting uh, into practice as a generous steward the gifts that I've been given, that I want to excel to my highest degree possible, but within the realm of what is virtuous. And I thought, that's the key. The key is linking the intimate connection, linking the the interior attitude of self-mastery, which would say, I will uh, engage in sports in a virtuous way with the external, not settle for less than give your all, give your best, and defeat your opponent. I thought, brilliant. Did you catch, did you catch that? Uh, I caught elements of it. Um <laughs> Well, it it was so meaningful to me because I coached these girls and I was trying, like I always tried to find a bridge between winning and competing. I think I experience it when we are at a a competition and we get really into, and there's this energy that feels negative, that feels off-putting, that comes up within me about the competition. And I'm not sure how to best um, sanctify it, make it purify it, because I know it's not... It's not honoring the Lord, but at the same time, it's so natural. And I 
don't like that when I see it in other guys. When I when I did sports and coached or refed or was an ump, whatever, for sports in the, the college years, it was so unattractive to me when a guy would get so competitive that he just lost all sense of, of uh, virtue, I guess is the way you'd say it. And I didn't know why it bothered me so much, but I think yeah, there's that a, pride, there's a that way arrogance, to win gracefully. There's a way to win gracefully. I see, I see signs of that at the Oaks, like after a game, when they will come together with the other team and they'll sing the doxology as Dad, a way of saying... We weren't supposed to mention the Oaks, this program. Don't oh, you remember? We but can't <laughs> the, just that sense of saying, no, we can link arm in arm with the guys we just competed with on the floor and we're going to glorify God together. But it's that sense of saying, no, the interior attitude, the interior disposition can be matched by the exterior. And parents, I want you to hear that because that is so helpful because it's not just getting the kids to engage in the in the exterior to say master your body to achieve maximum performance but rather also in addition master your interior attitude that says work hard be determined overcome your limitations to the extent that you can on behalf of achieving a higher good and I thought, wow, that gives me new lines of communication for my kids. When I see them expressing a lazy attitude, a selfish attitude, a, a, a negative competitive attitude, to be able to, to, to correct that, to call that out, to challenge that. So, And I loved how when you are in a sports situation, it is, fire, it is um, iron, iron sharpening iron type situation where you're in the the burner and you're all out and the emotions are high and the intensity is, is strong and you have to focus your your self-mastery of your virtue of your human person in a way that honors God. That's those are like the moments where you you either rise or you fall. Trial by fire, right? How many how many times in the Old Testament is in the Proverbs and in Sirach do you see the idea that gold is tested in fire? Mm-hmm. That, uh, that gold and silver are purified in the furnace. Mm-hmm. It's in the furnace that furnace worthy areas. men, godly men, are, are forged and women. Well, what begins to break, Carrie? When we come back, I'm going to talk about another way that we can respond to the to the present moment that we're in. Back in a moment. Welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Curran. I'm with my wife, Carrie, on this Feast of Our Lady of Fatima. And we are leaning on, at least leaning into a little bit, the collapse of parenting. Um, Oh, by the way, I never mentioned that the book is written by Leonard uh, Sachs, S-A, no, yeah, that's right, S-A-X, Leonard Sachs. He is uh, a doctor, a medical doctor, and a PhD. And this book is how we hurt our kids when we treat them like grownups. And I'm focused on the second part, which is solutions. And uh, the solutions involve three things that you can help your uh, child or teen become a fulfilled adult. The first one was teach humility. The second one was enjoy. And the third one was um, teach them about the meaning of life. Teach them, help them to have a life that has a meaning. And that one was really cool because in it, he talked quite a bit about the way that parents can focus in their kids' lives on means that appear to be ends, but they're only actually means. 
So for instance, study really hard, get good grades. Why? Well, because then you'll be able to get into a good college. Oh, get into a good college, choose a good major, work really hard, and then you'll get a, a good degree, which will then lead to getting a good job. And then if you work really hard in that good job, you'll be able to um, ha make more money. And that's going to then open up. Your you see, all of those things, they have lost a sense of focus that there's a meaning in and of itself. And rather, the emphasis is on do it for the sake of the next thing. And that is something that can lead to a, a, a pursuit of something that never reaches the ultimate goal. Well, why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? And I faced that recently with our kids. Okay. Do you know what I'm, where, when? I, I want to say uh, working out or yeah, something. Yeah, the performance. Okay. The performance lab. So we brought Annalise to this performance lab because we were going to sign up to a gym because, you know, our seventh grader's going pro. She's really gifted. <laughs> Just a joke, everyone. But it was, she was interested in working out and great, let's, let's take her to this performance lab and met this trainer. I emailed her. She saw in my, uh, my signature line a reference to my coaching background, the fact that I provide executive coaching. And she somehow checked out my profile, saw the stuff that I did, and said, can I get together with you? I'm interested in learning more about what you do and to see if you could potentially help me. So I met with her. And I love doing this. I love meeting with folks and just in a short session, helping them get a sense of clarity about, well, who are they are? Where are they at? Where do they want to go? How are they trying to get there? And then map out steps they can take to do that. And so I did that. Had one simple session with her. She found it really valuable and said, I want to go forward. I want to engage with you in helping me grow my business. And I said, hey, why don't we do this? Why don't we barter? And this brings me to I'm telling you a way that some families can meet some of their needs in the current challenging environment is working together, supporting each other. What are you good at? How can I help you? What am I good at? How can I help you in return? So that sense of mutuality in the community to say, why don't we barter, even if it's not said like that, even if it's not formalized like that, to be able to do an exchange of goods where you don't have to worry about the monetary side of things. I really would love to go back to a time where it would be like that, where things are simplified and services aren't, everything has a, a number on it or a price to it, but it's more just shared living, sharing services with each other. I mean, I know people have to make a living, but there's also this whole realm of work or service that would just, I don't know, take away from the personal gain of trying to get ahead or something. And I don't know if I make it any sense, but so anyhow, our kids are going to, they talked about them going and getting. Well, and then we bumped up against a bit of a wall and the, and the wall was, um, she agreed. And so I met with her again and kind of helping her grow her, uh, 
like what are who are her ideal targets and 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 what's the message she's getting and what's the value proposition for each of those and all of that and she loves it because it's personal guidance with expertise on things that are helping her be clear be intentional and to make progress so she's finding that supremely valuable well, I'm trying to get the same kind of supreme value to land in our home and have it land on our kids. So yesterday we were gathering and there was something that happened where the kids all of a sudden flipped a switch. Do you remember what it was? Nope. It was... <laughs> I don't... Wait, what time is this? Okay. <laughs> it's past my bedtime. The... the <laughs> That they flipped a switch when they found out that I had I changed how it was presented to them. I had said to them, "Hey, this woman is willing to train you free of charge." And so when they heard that, they didn't value it. They thought, "Well, if it's free, then it's cheap. It's not. It doesn't. It doesn't really mean anything to me." But when I shared with them, guys, you wanted to join a gym because you want to have access to all of these different you know, opportunities to lift weights and play in a basketball court and, and, and things like that. And I said, I want you to know I met with this woman and we've done a barter. We've done a trade off where I'm going to help her grow her business in exchange for the value of that giving you access to her paid program. Normally, you all would be we would be paying money for you to access her expertise in training. But I'm giving of myself to open a door for you. And there was just like, what? Are you serious? Well, all right, we'll do it. That was, it was something of saying, well, my dad's making a sacrifice for me. And all of a sudden the act had a meaning in and of itself. That's, finding meaning. It's not just a means to an end. I was wanting them to embrace the training as a means to an end. And they didn't value it. They couldn't make that connection. But when they saw that there was a meaning in and of itself, that, wow, my doing this is I'm gaining privileged access to something because of the sacrifice my dad is making for me. All right, I'm open to doing this now. And I was like, wow, that's, maybe our kids need to know more about that. Yes, I like that third point. Find meaning in and of itself beyond just there's a meaning further down. For the sake of. Well, and I love that you can, when there's a relationship with Christ, with God the Father, there's so much meaning in everything you do. It can all, even folding laundry or making a meal or um serving the neighbor there's so much meaning because we're doing it because we love the lord and we want to honor him and he calls us to to the service of of giving of our time ourself and it really does fulfill one's heart one's desire one's it it feels so um wonderful just there's yes this is what i've made for i think jesus says that the apostles um disciples are saying lord lord we haven't seen you eat are you hungry and he's like no my food is to do the will of the father who sent me something like that <laughs> but there is a fulfillment there is a feeling in the soul when we are doing stuff for, with the meaning of for god just in and of itself right then and there in the present and i think that 
a lot of kids today and even adults that when we encounter this sense of loss and anxiety and what is life about and purpose, we really have taken Christ out of it. We really have taken our creator, the the one and only eternal father from um, what we're doing. And you can see that void, that emptiness that it leaves. Well, isn't that one of the fundamental temptations of right now is yes. being distracted and dispersed and diverted from the ultimate meaning of our lives? That the world today, whether it's through the, the entertaining activities, the satisfying activities, or even the jobs that provide a degree of meaning and purpose and achievement, those things as like satisfying as they are, are ultimately not why we're here. We are here for Christ. We are here to proclaim Christ and him crucified. And country club Catholicism that allows Catholics to come in hear about the God of love that doesn't require a dying to self and a sense of urgent mission to bring Christ to the world, which will mean coming into contact with opposition, but not letting that stop us, but allowing ourselves to be even thrown to the lions in metaphorical ways is more meaningful than a life that is free from trials. A life that is full of trials on behalf of Christ is a greater blessing than a life that is free from trials without Christ. And we have to believe that if we're going to fulfill our call today. All right, that's, that's the program. I hope and pray that this was a blessing to you. Join me on Monday for more Sound Insight. God bless your day. And thank you, Carrie. Absolutely.